It's become a defining symbol of the COVID-19 pandemic. The face mask, while it's one of the keys in keeping you safe, should wearing one in public be mandatory? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. Ontario Premier Doug Ford says he has no problem with municipalities making it mandatory, but he can't say how it could be enforced. Toronto City Council, though, has voted for it. And other GTA areas, such as Peel and York Regents, will be considering it this week. Ottawa's Mayor Jim Watson says he would support it if the medical officer of health is in agreement. Now, the onus is on the customer or visitor when it comes to a mask. Businesses will not be required to provide them, which would be another financial burden for them. In Quebec, the provincial government reversed course and made masks mandatory on public transit. Coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we take a look at the face masks and why it's become a lightning rod for public opinion. Masks for Canada is a grassroots group made up of people from all walks of life to engage and encourage Canadians to wear a mask to protect themselves and others. Dr. Amy Tan's associate professor in the Department of Family Medicine at the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary, and she joins us now. And doctor, from your perspective, why has there been such a reticence to wear a mask? That is a million dollar question. Hello. Thanks for having me. I think that the mixed messaging and the change in science that has occurred um, throughout this pandemic, as we're seeing the real-time evolution of scientific knowledge about this virus, is the reason why there's such a reticence now to mask. Because the best knowledge we have now is that masking does help, in addition to all the other public health measures. But we didn't have that message from the get-go of the pandemic. And we didn't because, the, you know, the chief medical officer of health said it would give people a false sense of security. And I, I'm wondering, you had mentioned that the science has changed over, over this time. What's changed? Yeah. So a couple of things. One thing is we actually know that people who don't have symptoms, so what we call asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic um, people, actually can spread the virus. And we're seeing that anywhere from 20 to 40% of cases are from asymptomatic spread. So the whole adage of stay home if you're sick, which was one of the mandates from the beginning, might not help for a third of cases. So that's one thing that's evolved in our understanding of the new coronavirus. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that there are now studies to show that non-medical cloth masks may help with containing drop sorry will help with containing droplets but then what that does is it might even help the person wearing it but it definitely helps with the spreading of the droplets and if those droplets have virus then it decreases the spread of community spread of COVID-19. So even if it's as you mentioned a cloth mask or one that's not the official N95 still wearing something is better than wearing nothing at all. Absolutely. And I'm going to be clear again that this is about protecting the person next to you um, if physical distancing is not possible. But if that person is also wearing a mask, they protect you. So that's the whole point is that it helps the community as a community, civic-minded thing to do to help us as the economy opens. You know, no no province uh, has made masks mandatory. And do you think that might be part of the problem? I, I definitely think that the wishy-washiness, as I call it, of the messaging does not help. And there seems to be some going back and forth as to which jurisdiction has the ability or the willpower to mandate this. 
Dr. Amy Tandy is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. She's associate professor in the Department of Family Medicine at the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary and also a member of Masks for Canada. As we discuss why why these masks are, are so polarizing on either side of the uh, of the equation. Now, you know, back at the beginning, we talked about the mixed messages and and the chief medical officer of health were warning about uh, the uh, false sense of security. The other thing too was at that point, uh, PPEs were in, in short supply, and and we were trying to save those for frontline workers, were we not? Yes, and I think appropriately so. At the very beginning of the pandemic, I don't know if you remember, but back in March, we were seeing very very scary things coming out of Italy and New York City after seeing what was happening in China. So the government's focus on ensuring that we healthcare providers who were going to be seeing patients had appropriate PPE as the initial first priority was appropriate. But I think what got mixed in that or was that, you know, we are worried about the public, but we need to make sure our healthcare workers are protected first and foremost. So I think the non-messaging of the masking for the public um, was a bit misunderstood at the time. For those who uh, are, are, you know, who do wear masks, uh, where should they be worn and and, and not? And, and I'll give you an example. I'm driving in. Uh, I'm driving in this morning from from uh, the south end of Ottawa, and, and I, I notice people in their vehicles, well, you know, windows rolled up, and, and they've got the face mask on. And and really, I don't think that's, you know, a, a, not necessarily appropriate, but is going to do anything? Where yeah, is so- it? Go ahead. I was going to say, is it only when you're in, in, in public or uh, in, in groups or how, how do you want to uh, approach this? So we really are advocating for these masks to be worn in high risk situations. So we actually have coined the acronym ACT. So A is all indoor spaces. C is crowds. And that would be considered both indoors and outdoors. And T, all transit or public transportation, like a cab. Um, for those who are driving with it, it may be that they're running short errands between um, one place to another. And so they don't want to have to worry about properly taking it on and off and worrying about storing it. So it does, it can make sense from a logistical point of view. But yeah, it's not that once you're in a car, you have to put the mask on. How do you change public perception of wearing a mask? I think we need clear expectations in our Canadian society. So that's why we're pushing for mandates. We're not asking for enforcements. We're not asking for people to be punished or penalized with tickets or fines or disciplinary action at work. We're asking for the mandate to say, Canadians, we know masks help in addition to hand hygiene and physical distancing. Let's stop the debate about it. Let's start masking. Seeing other people mask will hopefully allow that societal norm to start to occur. Medically speaking now, uh, because there are a lot of people who have come up with some reasons why they couldn't wear a mask, who would have difficulty wearing one and who, from your perspective, would be exempt? So people who would be exempt are definitely children age less than two because um, they have a suffocation risk. Um, Also, people with severe lung disease where they have specific parameters where their levels of carbon dioxide are higher um, would be exempt as well. And some of those have behavioral or psychological concerns like severe claustrophobia. For some people with mild anxiety where masking may um, exacerbate that, there are 
good physiotherapy videos out there to kind of help train yourself to be more used to it with time. Is there a percentage of mask wearers you're looking for that's going to make a difference? And I, I'm thinking about herd herd immunity, and we're looking at, I think it's around 80% for herd immunity to be to be safe. When it comes to, to wearing a mask, are we looking for a higher percentage to increase safety, or is it just one more is going to do the job? So we're looking at 80% as well for masking. Mm-hmm. So right. 80% would allow safe protection at a community or population level and it would allow those who have to opt out to safely still be able to opt out dr tan i want to thank you for joining us you're welcome thank you very much dr amy tan is a family doctor and associate professor at the department of family medicine the Cummings school of medicine at the university of calgary now despite the medical benefits of wearing a mask at a public place some outright refuse or, or feel their rights are being victimized. Christine Van Gein is the litigation director for the Canadian Constitution Foundation, and she joins us now. And Christine, you feel these mandatory mask orders violate the charter. How so? Well, on its face, it's a violation of your right to liberty under Section 7 of the charter. But when you have a violation of a right to life, liberty, or security of person under Section 7, it can be justified um, if the order is proportionate, if it's rationally connected and minimally impairing. So we do think that it is likely that a Section 7 liberty violation of the government telling you how to dress is an on-its-face violation, but it would probably be justified in these situations, in the situation of a pandemic. We are concerned, namely, our largest concern is, is with equality rights. So people who um, for whatever reason, they might have a breathing impairment or they might have some type of trauma-related phobia to having their breathing obstructed. These, these aren't imaginary people. I've, I've spoken to them. Um, that those people should have an exemption. The bylaws or health orders should have an exemption for those people. And the exemption by businesses should be taken at face value. So businesses, when someone's coming in to buy their toilet paper or buy gasoline for their car, you know, a business shouldn't interrogate someone and say, what's your health exemption? What exactly is it? Can you tell me? Do you have a doctor's note? People shouldn't be subjected to that for going about their daily lives. And we're, we're really pleased to see when Toronto enacted their bylaw, they did actually say, and I, I do believe it's a result of our advocacy, that store owners are not allowed, they're not permitted to ask for proof of an exemption, that the exemptions are taken at face value. But do not the, the owners, the managers, even the employees, uh, do they have an obligation to make sure the health within the facility, the building, the store, the mall, whatever it is, it, it, that people are protected? I I think that they also have an, an, an obligation when, um, you know, enacting a government order, which is what they're doing, um, when they're carrying out a government order like this, that the government is required to protect the rights of disabled people. And that's why we're asking for that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a balance. Under our charter, we have a whole balancing um, process of protecting both people's rights and these other important public policy objectives like health and safety. We're just trying to strike the right balance here. And I think in Toronto, it's a, it's, we're really pleased that they included an at its face, on its face, um, health exemption for individuals with disabilities. 
Christine Van Gein is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. She's the litigation director for the Canadian Constitution Foundation as we discuss why wearing a face mask in uh, public places is such a polarizing issue in Canada. And, and Christine, what do you think? Why, why do you think it's been so polarizing? Um, I, I think it's polarizing because the, the science on it has shifted so dramatically over the course of this pandemic. You know, at the beginning, we were told, don't wear a face mask. Or some people were even saying face masks will, uh, you know, like it hurts your health to wear a face mask if you're a healthy person. At the beginning, we were told stuff like that. Then we were told um, you can wear a face mask if you want, but it doesn't do anything. And now we're told you have to wear a face mask. So when the government is sending all these really contradictory messages over the course of this pandemic. Uh, it's, it's hard for the public to trust what the government is saying. So this is, this is basically uh, a lack of trust in the government because of the mixed messages that we've been dealing with since pretty well since February. Yeah. I think that's why it's been polarizing because mm-hmm. people are, are a little fed up with, with the changing messages that they've been receiving. You know, we we talked about the medical exemption and and no questions asked, and and I still have a bit of a problem with that. But do public places, stores, malls, places like that, do they have a right to refuse admittance to those who are not wearing a mask? So it sort of depends on where those stores are. If you are, and, and it depends on why the store is refusing entry. So a store is actually entitled to have that as their own store policy if the store says you know we are we just have a store policy like costco has been requiring masks i think for some time yeah um and they're you know they're totally entitled to do that uh i would say it's subject to human rights legislation so you can't discriminate on on certain grounds in ontario or in different provinces of different human rights legislation um so you can't do it in a in a way that discriminates that way but a store is entitled to have their own policy and this charter doesn't even come into play right the charter only applies when the stores are refusing entry or requiring masks on the basis of carrying out a government order which is in some communities in Ontario now uh, what's happening and I understand it can be confusing because there's a lot of overlap is the store refusing entry because they're carrying out a government order or they refusing entry because they are uh, implementing a store policy. Um, there is overlap there. Now, the the foundation suggestion for masks is only when social distancing is not possible. Uh, yeah. So, okay, go ahead. So we, we do think that because the science is unclear, that there have been a lot of shifts over this period of time, that to require masks, at all times when social distancing is impossible, um, there lacks a necessary rational connection between the mask order and the public interest um, outcome of protecting health. We don't necessarily know if it really will protect public health, but our view is that the the courts would likely find that there's enough of a rational connection that the science is uh, questionable enough that they would probably show deference to the government. But we think to be minimally impairing, which is a, a requirement if you're going to have a rights violation like that, um, to be minimally impairing, the order should only apply where social distancing isn't possible. So if you're in a grocery store alone and you want to move your mask, um, 
the, the, the store shouldn't be subject to a fine, which in some communities, the fine is up to $5,000 on a business. And these are businesses that have been closed for months. Mm. So imposing these really large fines when the business has been shut for a long time is just a really, a really unfair burden. We also do have a request with respect to fines. Um, right. When the fines are $5,000 um, for not enforcing a mask order, it's not proportionate because the fines for opening a business at the peak of COVID in Ontario was about $750. So why is the fine so much higher now when we're in phase two, when the number of cases is lower, we think the fine should be lowered in Toronto. It looks like they're not going to be doing any enforcement really. So we're not. Then what's the use of doing it if you're not going to enforce it? Um, I'm not sure you'd have to ask the mayor about that in Toronto. Um, but we're we're okay with that. We think that um, the existence of a bylaw and the possibility of enforcement, um, the pot, the fines that have, they've discussed are, I think, uh, seven hundred to a thousand dollars, which we think is in the range of proportionate. Um, there's a possibility of enforcement. I just don't know. The, the mayor has said they will not aggressively uh, prosecute any violations. Hmm, interesting. All right, Christine, I want to thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I'm happy to talk to you about it. Christine Van Guyen is the litigation director for the Canadian Constitution Foundation. And now it's time for you to weigh in on the unpublished.vote question. Should wearing face masks be mandatory in public places? Yes, no, or unsure? You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and have your voice heard. I want to thank Dr. Amy Tan of the University of Calgary and a member of Masks for Canada and Christine Van Guyen, the Canadian Constitution Foundation Litigation Director. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.